0: If this is really something you want to do, if what you want to do is really succeed in this, then let go of ego and embarrassment and shame around will people like me or not. You have to commit to this mission.
1: Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Still in India, still traveling, but bringing another jam-packed episode with Dr. Addie Jaffe. This guy is fantastic. So I, again, am not reading my notes, but I just remember feeling his energy is just so forward moving and I love it. And I also think his story is really inspirational. A part of his uh, story that I really liked was um, him talking about being not a good student, basically, <laughs> because he was getting a 3.0. Um, but then that he decided to go back to grad school after being away from it for a little while and he crushed it. Um, And he's over teaching at UCLA as a part-time faculty member, but with no intention of actually doing full-time work because he started his own business. Him and his wife together, actually, they also have a fantastic podcast that we'll definitely link to. Um, But we crossed paths. A while back, he found me on YouTube with my Gary V video that I think I've mentioned before, and we'll definitely drop uh, the Gary V video below in the show notes. But yeah, he found me on YouTube because of this Gary Vee video and messaged me and was like, what? You're an academic too? I thought I was the only one. <laughs> and so we hopped on a phone, we chatted, and then we spent some time apart. And I actually ran into him through my friend's Instagram stories. So we just have a fun overlapping story. But he's also just really inspirational, motivational, um, and just has some great, great energy that I think you guys will really like. So please, please enjoy this episode. And if you want to keep the conversation going, of course, head over to Academics Mean Business, the community on Facebook, and I will see you over there. All right, welcome to another episode. We have Dr. Adi Jaffe on with us today, and I'm so excited because he and I—oh gosh, we we were—you found me somewhere on the interwebs. I, I don't remember. I remember getting a, me to, a message you from me you to on tell Squarespace. The story? Yes, please.
0: I was watching a Gary V keynote. <sighs>
1: that was it,
0: and. I'm watching it because, you know, I'm learning, I learned from Gary about content and how to get your message out and Mm -hmm. this whole idea of just owning your, owning your message and just get behind it. And so I'm watching this thing and I think it was actually like ClickFunnels related. related. ClickFunnels event. It it was one of their their events and I'm in that space now, Mm -hmm. which is crazy and we can talk a little bit about that. Oh
1: yeah, you you were just there. I saw your Instagram stories. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
0: because, and
1: well, and just finding
0: that world as an academic is like like dipping your toe in hell. (laughs) Uh, compared to where That's I came from. That's putting it lightly. No, just kidding. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I love the dipping your toe in hell is lightly. Um, <laughs> so so I'm watching Gary V. speak and he's doing his Q&A thing. And you know, he's Gary, so he doesn't really give a shit about anybody else. No. He's kind of just answering questions. And then this woman comes on and she goes, so I have a PhD, I'm an academic. And I go, wait, what?
2: <laughs>
3: there <laughs> right are away others?
0: I, right away I perked up because I don't care what stories you've heard Russell tell or Gary tell mm-hmm. or whatever. There are no PhDs in the room. No, there's yeah. no, or, or if, they're, if or they're they, they're not are, talking about it. They're hiding.
1: Yeah, they're, they're hiding. Like, yeah, they're
0: like, "PhD, what do you mean? My dad was a carpenter, and I paved <laughs> roads when I was a kid." Yeah. So that's the story I hear a lot. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this PhD gets up and she says, "I realized that what I wanted to do was help people use their expertise. What I did, essentially, in 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 my academic career, I want to help people who are in the same." world who have learned who have become experts in their field mm. i want to help them make a difference in the world and i went holy shit and that's <laughs> what i'm doing that's what i want to do who is this person so then uh, thank god there's the internet because literally the only thing that happened is you said your name when you asked the question that's it thank god you said your name by the way
1: yeah good point right
0: because <laughs> i don't know how i would have found you otherwise i gotta spread this
1: video around more actually totally
0: yeah. <laughs> totally so i reached out and i just sent you an email i'm not shy and I just said, hey, saw, your, you know, saw you ask a question, really intrigued. I'm in the same space, PhD, moving out into the entrepreneurial world. And there aren't a lot of others that I've met and I'd love to connect. And so then you and I got on a call and we talked about this idea of online courses mm-hmm. and, you know, entrepreneurial for sure outside of the academic, I don't even world, universe, mm-hmm. outside of the academic universe approaches to sharing knowledge making a difference and creating an impact so that's that's how we met
1: boom there it is i i remember the second you're like it was a video i was like oh yeah it was the gary v video i kind of forgot um so that was almost a year ago exactly i think that that was end of september too that yeah that i did that event and you're right. And I mean, this and this podcast was the first thing I did. I like came home and was like, I just want to talk to other people about it. When he told me I had to do something that felt the easiest. It wasn't how do I make money? How do I monetize? What's my funnel, which, you know, was ClickFunnels. And it was sure. more like, who are these people? Are they like me? Am I the weird one in this space? Um, and yeah, and here we are nearly 50 episodes later, just under. That's amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of cool. Well, I love that. Cool. Um, maybe we'll schedule you as episode 50
0: or 52 <laughs>
1: the year. Uh, it's it. been a year. Um, but oh. yeah, so that's a little bit of our background, our story between the two of us. We Yeah, it's been we've spent some time away from each other for a little while. And when I was yeah. batching, you've been on my list to like re-reach out and like and then I think yeah you were in someone's instagram story that i follow i think it was Sharfen alex i think oh amazing and yeah because i love him and he's um, amazing he's great yeah he's amazing alex. genius and yeah and so i think then i was like oh my god i forgot like what you know i i have not a good follow-up system <laughs> i I, you know, I don't
0: either and by the way if you're listening right now um lindsey's gonna put a, a link to alex's stuff for sure is- we both love Alex, and Alex is the first guy who's created a system that I can follow through with.
1: Me too. I wonder it's, if it's a weird academic thing. I don't know. Uh,
0: it's clear. or an entrepreneurial thing, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah. It's just because I've tried look, other
1: things, didn't no, work. I mean, I've
0: tried everything. I've mm-hmm. tried, I was the kid in elementary school who got so excited to get his new planner. Yeah, because school was starting. I was going to be on it. I had color coded. <laughs> And I and I wrote it all the first
1: week. I was like, The first week."
0: (laughs) And then I realized the major flaw of all planner systems. And that is putting the stuff in does nothing. You have to go back and look for it.
1: Uh, To see what you have to
0: do. And I fail miserably at that. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. as soon as your name came back across my head, I went, oh my God, we we meant to talk. And then all of a sudden all the updates about the people that I reached out to, about everything we spoke about came up. But in the interim, it was like a black hole yeah. of information. <laughs> right. It just
1: disappeared. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. So, I, you know, I think we don't need to, to go too deep into <laughs> Alex's stuff because people can go look at it. But, but, you know, he has just essentially a standard kind of like you do this every day. And a for planning me,
1: process. Yeah. Yeah. And for yeah. me, if
0: I don't have something that I do all the time, then I mm-hmm. do it never. Mm-hmm. It's like it's one or the other. My wife has a really hard time with this because she's a normal human being. That, uh, like she remembers, let's say that next Tuesday we have a dinner with friends. As far as I'm concerned, those friends are dead. I don't yeah. even know that they exist. <laughs> they're not
1: on the calendar. <laughs> if
0: they're not in my head in this moment, I don't even remember their name Totally. Or where they live. Yeah. And so I'm not one of those people. And so she really gets upset because it goes both ways. Hey, I have a really hard time adjusting to unexpected events mm. that, you know, that kind of supersede other things in my life, which worked really well in academia, by the way. Sure. <laughs> um, but on the flip side i have these regimented systems that i stick to and if if somebody tries to dissuade me from doing it or tries to introduce something to change that i have real resistance mm. um, which i think maybe connects really really well to how hard it was to come from the family i came from and decide one day oh I don't think I'm just going to be a professor doing research. I don't think mm. that I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. It took me probably 3 years and and some other kind of events along the way to actually make the final leap and say I'm going to leave. I'm I'm actually going to do this.
1: I'm actually out. Well, let's talk yeah. about that because I think, you know, it's an important part of the journey that I like to paint for people that have fully left. I have some guests that, you know, it's a side hustle. I have other guests, sure. you know, some people just diving in, but, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about your academic background and what you studied and why you did. Um, and then, you know, uh, following the typical path. And then when you did start to realize that maybe you wanted to do something bigger.
0: Yeah. So I look, I want to be honest from the outset. I probably never followed a typical path just to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad was an academic, he was a physician in Israel, but incredibly well respected researcher plus clinician who um, literally served a seminal role in the development of um, 3D and 4D ultrasound. He was a high risk OBGYN, wrote books. I mean when I grew up, my dad's academic achievements were front and center in addition to, you know, like athletic achievements and things like that when he was younger. As this signal that he was a good person
1: mm, um, ooh, on the that's faculty,
0: good. Uh-huh. you know, like on the faculty, well respected. When he um, when he visited its, at different institutions, people, other uh, students had his book and asked him to sign it. Like there was a very well established reason for me to understand why being an academic, being a professor, being a researcher is the role. That's the path. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do.
1: Mm-hmm. It's honorable. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that's a great word. Honorable. So that was in my head my whole life. Now, I really rebelled against it, though. So I mm-hmm. graduated from UCLA, but just barely, by you know, skin of my teeth, I uh, just barely, barely made it in the psychology department. I mean, for academics, you'll understand why this is blasphemy, although for the rest of society, it might be okay. I had <laughs> under a 3.0 GPA oh in undergrad. I Who know, are you I know, to right?
1: teach others?
0: <laughs> that's what I was like. I was, a, I was a loser from the standpoint of academia. Mm-hmm. Um, took a break. I took about a five to six year break. Well, I'll say I was looking for myself. And if any of the listeners look for my st- things about me online, they'll understand what I mean by that. But I was as far, far away from school as possible, mm-hmm. uh, got in trouble, decided I need to get my life back together. And that essentially entailed going and, uh, going back to school mm-hmm. I mean, long, long story short, I literally couldn't get a job. And so I went to school, which was the only thing I knew I was good at, even though I hated it my whole life. But for some reason, when I went back this time, I was uber motivated. I became a 4.0 yeah. student, the, the quintessential example of what I maybe could have been mm. eight to 10 years earlier. And then it was, it was a relatively smooth ride. Ended up going to UCLA's PhD program in psychology, studying neuroscience and quantitative psychology. And um, yeah, and killing it, right? I think in my PhD program. I ended up with like a three, nine, four or something like just loving, loving school, but loving every minute of it, you know, maybe the end of my dissertation less so, but um, but that's true for everybody. So that was it. It was like, I thought the writing on the wall was clear Mm. and I knew what I wanted to do and job searches came Mm. that was kind of where this started for me. And I went on these interviews, you know, these job interviews you're supposed to do. I was a postdoc already. And doing pretty well there.
1: Was your postdoc at UCLA also or in it LA? It was. It was, is, okay. it was an oh, aligned nice.
0: group, so it wasn't with my same advisor at all. Yeah, it was a, a totally different group, an off-campus group. But yes, yeah, still at UCLA associated. It was beautiful. I mean, I love UCLA, always will. And um, I was there. I was doing job talks, mm. and it's uh, it was a little demoralizing, to be honest. You know, you prep, and I wish I didn't have the mentorship around job searches that I Ooh. probably could have had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I got accepted. I had three job talks my first year. Nice. I mean, six months. Yeah. Yeah, but that felt horrible, actually. I felt like a loser for only getting three out of, you know, let's say, eight things that oh, I applied but to.
1: That's good, though. Yeah. It was. It, was. it is and, good.
0: Uh, and I went to the job talks. And in one of them, I was the the alternate. Like, they offered the job to somebody else. And yeah. if that person wouldn't have said yes, then I would have been the next one up. And I I remember being so demoralized, right? Like, I had been... Mm. My record had been so great over mm, those last seven, eight years. Played
1: by all the rules at that played point. By all the, yeah, And yeah. all of a
0: sudden, here I am really not knowing where my life is going, right? I don't want to be a postdoc forever. So what do I do next? And that was, that was hard. First of all, that was a difficult kind of thing. I remember after I gave up that job search and I got, I gave a, I got a job uh, doing clinical work, which was not part of what was originally expected. My advisor from Cal State Long Beach told me, you know, that on average, people go on like seven to 10 job talks before they get a job. And I but that would have been nice information to have had last year. (laughs) So Uh, I didn't hate
1: myself every day.
0: (laughs) So so I didn't hate myself and maybe, you know, reset what the target is because I could I don't know, I don't know how other people's heads work, but in my head, especially at that time in my life, if it's not pretty damn close to perfect, then it's useless Mm, is sort of the way it worked. That's a little Um, bit of
1: our messaging that we tell ourselves, I think for most academics. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So
0: that was, and you know, going on three of these job talks. They're intense.
1: They're intense. Not getting a single uh,
0: one of them. Yeah. It was, uh, it was tough. It was emotionally tough, especially because two of the jobs I really wanted.
1: Yep. And you can like envision yourself there and you're looking at housing. (laughs) I remember.
0: Oh, it was like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, one of them was city university in New York and it was a beautiful campus. And I mean, anyway, so that was a little demoralizing and I, and so I left and now I was still teaching, so I was still attached to academia. I was teaching Mm -hmm. at Cal State Long Beach. I was teaching at UCLA. I still had my postdoc. I had five jobs at the time, and then I did clinical work for twenty hours a week at a a, at a UCLA-affiliated substance abuse clinic. And and, um, I remember the conversations with my wife. I was working like seventy-five to eighty-hour weeks, and I mean, my level of stress. You know, I used to have a problem with drugs and alcohol, and I hadn't, but I'm I'm not. Sober, but my wife was starting to say to me like, "Hey, you're you're drinking more than you, usual. Like, what's going mm, on?"
2: Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know, I would come home and just fix myself a really stiff drink just to deal with whatever I've got to deal with in my head. And uh yep. and that went on for a little too long. And I remember we would take these walks. We we had one kid at this time, and so we would take these walks around the neighborhood. And almost subliminally, slowly, and indirectly, my wife was trying to talk me into like just leaving some of these jobs.
2: Ah. Uh-huh.
0: And I started, I start I gave I gave up one teaching job. I left the postdoc. So now it was down to, you know, three jobs in like 50 hours a week which felt really nice. A little more and normal. <laughs> a little more normal. And um I think that's what opened the door, kind of right? Like giving up doing all of it opened yep. up the possibility of maybe doing none of it one day. Mm-hmm. But just but just barely. Mhm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So tell me about because um, I know you guys have like a really successful podcast and you have courses and kind of your business as it stands right now. You know what were some of the early stages of that? Like when did you start to look outside of maybe a typical career path of somebody with your background and start thinking about hey, what if I did my own stuff? Where did yeah. that come from?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I um the first business I had was I opened up a treatment center uh, a rehab huh. with, with a partner. Um, and so that felt more, maybe a little bit more normal and traditional, but still entrepreneurial, right? Sure. A lot of risk. Yeah. A lot of risk. And also, you know, leaving pure kind of research based tier one university universe, which is all I've really known and all I expected to know for a long time. And so that was the next step. I ran that for five years Mm -hmm. and it did incredibly well for about two and a half years. And then the wheel started coming off because- What I didn't get training in, because I don't come from an entrepreneurial or business-based kind of family, is I never learned anything about business. I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean,
2: I mean nothing. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And by the way, it's insane to me if we're going to talk about academia. It's insane to me. Like, let's say, so I went to a psychology program, Mm -hmm. and um, people aren't taught even to like how to set up their own office or how to... No,
1: and that's very popular for psychologists, <laughs> right? Like there's some academic tracks that have no possibility of like starting a business. That's not true. But like a sociologist isn't going to start a practice, right? Yeah, for sociology, so, sure. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yes, I mean, even a sociologist can become a consultant. There's There are a million things you can do with your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like The main thing I learned as a PhD is not the knowledge about neuroscience and statistics. That was great and wonderful. But what I learned as a PhD is how to do research, how to study, how to become an expert in
2: something. Mm-hmm.
0: That, I say that's the biggest thing I, I got from my graduate education is I can, my tagline, my elevator little pitch is now, if you give me time, I can spend two weeks to a month deep diving into a topic. And within a month, I will know more than 98% of the world's population probably on that topic.
1: So true a great Um, point and that's a valuable skill in in business for sure right yeah
0: so you can do a lot of stuff with any degree that you got that's not the point but nobody talks to you about it so then Mm. you don't acquire the skills you don't learn the tools and
1: imagine the the reality that's different what like how life could be different yeah yeah Mm
0: -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. I started this business it was great when it was six people under me that I had to manage but when we grew to me having to manage 11 people and a 3,000 square foot, $100,000 a year space, and a revenue stream of $1.5 million. I just didn't know how to do it. And um, you
1: didn't have Alex Sharfin either.
0: I did not. (laughs) No. Honestly, (laughs) if I had Alex, I probably would have been able to save that business, unfortunately. But, you know, again, you learn, you learn in life. And so Mm -hmm. that was my first endeavor. My beautiful wife, once again, had to, um, persuade me to actually let that thing go because it was really hard right I, yeah. I kind of gambled everything on making this thing work out and I really really wanted it to I was holding on so dearly and it just didn't end up folding and it didn't leave me with a good taste in my mouth and for the first time and I would say but this was 2017 when it closed mm.
2: and
0: I got out in 2003 so in 14 years for the first time I had a moment to think about what I actually wanted to do. And I took three months, three or four months of not being I mean, I still saw some of the clients, but I didn't take on any new projects. I didn't start anything new. I literally took a moment to sit down and say, what do I want? What do I want the next piece to look like? And um that was incredibly freeing. I would Mm -hmm. those three months were probably some of the happiest months I've had in uh in many, many years because hope and possibility were there for sure where before I just felt stuck even in the business that I'd started in the last two two and a half years of it I just felt stuck mm-hmm. and, um, and that's when I landed on online work and being able to reach people and, and create an impact online we can talk more about that but that's a very long version of my story of how I came from believing academia was the only way to work to kind of now being a black sheep I guess mm-hmm.
1: you, where'd you start looking for this like because I always find it fascinating to like hear how people stumbled upon this idea that there are people making money on the internet kind of thing. (laughs) What was your first taste of that? It's a good
0: question. So, you know, I was already primed in the sense that when I did my postdoc and then when I had the rehab, I was really big on the use of technology and addiction.
1: And probably Um, marketing. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure.
0: So I started a website called All About Addiction that at its peak was getting about a quarter million. Visitors a, it's a not nothing. Yeah, this was a year, but it was uh, you know two thousand eight.
1: So yeah.
0: that was well, right really before big. it was
1: cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so that was. I mean, I started a blog and all that stuff. I started writing for Psychology Today. I became aware oh, of cool. reaching people on the internet through all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even at you know, so at Alternatives, a treatment center that I co-founded, you know, we use technology to track people. We use technology to survey them. We use technology to measure people's substance use i mean we were really on the cutting edge of using technology and addiction treatment
2: Mm
3: -hmm. and
0: when i uh when i had the website i also tried to create technology-based tools to help people so i was kind of primed yeah yeah yeah. and now i went okay what what else can i do and i immediately jumped to can i directly help people online Mm. can i use my skills to help people online and I don't know how, but that pulled me to uh to expert secrets. That oh, was yeah. one of the first things that I read. And I went down the rabbit hole.
1: Mm-hmm. And then here we are.
0: And then <laughs> and then I'm listening to Gary. Hanging v, out with and Alex. This, this Alex woman. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Mm. That's really cool. So tell us a little bit about how your business is structured right now. And I like also like painting maybe ways people make money. So like different income okay. streams or like sure. how you guys are are doing that?
0: Sure. So look, to be honest, I'm not going to lie to anybody here and tell them I've got a seven figure business or anything like that. I do not. I've been at this about a year now, but it started for me actually with the podcast. So my uh-huh. wife and I, my wife and I do a relationship based podcast. And if, if people want to go look at it, it's com is the website. And, or if you look up on the iTunes or uh, Google play, Respective apps or, or websites. It's uh, Ignited Podcast or so I G N T D Podcast, and uh, we talk about relationships. I recently started a Friday episode about mental health and recovery as well. But there, the point was definitely to just start out by disseminating, kind of like what you're doing, right? Let's mm-hmm. connect with our mm-hmm. audience and let's mm-hmm. let's see what people want and how we can contribute and all that wonderful stuff. And so that was not monetarily driven at all. But at the same time, I was starting to figure out how I can employ essentially an online course. Yeah. How, can I create, how can I create a course for people who are struggling with addiction and what makes my system unique are a few different things. But one of the primary things everybody locks in on is I don't ask people to quit before starting to work with me. Mm. So the vast majority of addiction help out there says, if you want help, you have to first be willing to quit and admit you're an addict. And then once you do that, we'll help you.
2: Mm. And
0: I think that's silly. I think it's part of the reason why about 90% of people with addiction yep. problems don't go get help because, yep. you know, a cancer patient doesn't need to commit to being a cancer patient and, I don't know, stopping to eat any foods that are carcinogenic before somebody will give them help. Um, mm, a mm-hmm. diabetic does not have to commit to never eating sugar again. It's just, there are a lot of other situations. Like a the depressed- who is
1: deserving of help, I think, is the big, right? Like, like, yeah, yeah.
0: I have one rule, and I told this to my, my um, participants yesterday on our group chat. I know you want help if you show up. Yeah, boom. That's it. That's it. Right. Like, <laughs> there's a very low threshold to requirement. Like, if you wouldn't, you have a lot of other important crap to do today. Uh, you wouldn't be sitting here with me if you didn't want help. And that's it. From that point on, it's my job as a professional to understand how to help you, not help you prove to me that you're worthy of my help. That's insane. And so, I had to figure out how do I pitch that though, because that was something that was hard in treatment. Everybody knows rehab. Everybody knows therapy they understand those models but an online course for addiction that sounds insane to people Mm -hmm. so i really the first the beginning part was really understanding how do i even connect with the people that i want to talk to
2: Mm.
0: and again the beauty coming from academia was nobody ever asked that question in academia no like nobody ever asked how to connect with your people it's more maybe maybe at its best it's how do you recruit them to your study (laughs) Um, yeah you know the the caring empathetic part of it was not really hugely present, and uh, the work that I do now is all about caring and all about connecting and all about empathy, so I love that part mm-hmm. um, but I had to learn systems you know i'm I'm not technologically yeah. challenged at all, yeah, but I'm also not a programmer, and so there was a steep learning curve in terms of how do I create this stuff. Um, I have people that I know in my world through other friends like Lewis Howes and people like that who uh are huge successes in this universe. And mm-hmm. I asked them, and a lot of them would have the same answer. Hey, it's not about the systems. Don't care so much about the systems. Mm. Get connected to the why. And I'm like, cool, that's great. But in the end, I still need to send an email and like put a course yeah. up. So yeah. just throw me a bone. Like, <laughs> let me know what systems, right? Uh, so that yeah. was kind of interesting. And I had to, I had to again, use my knowledge as, a, as an academic to go in and dive and, and just study and learn. And I did that for those three to six months. And I went in deep. So, you know, you asked a question about what things look like and how do we do it, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So Our podcast, fortunately, my wife, who uh, is sitting here next to me, is um, has created this huge following for herself. Her name is Sophie Jaffe. And if you go on Instagram, for instance, yeah, she, I know, was she,
1: spying on you guys after once yeah. I got, uh, yeah, she yeah, got you like guys have a great 20,000 followers
0: mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, Sophie. Jaffe is her handle. And so when we started the podcast, we kind of had a, an edge when yeah, you started yeah. out, because when she would put it out, you know, ten thousand people tuned in the first month. Awesome. Um, if it was up to me, there'd be ten people, and yeah, <laughs> three of them probably would have had my same last name. Yeah, <laughs> like my, my mom and my sister would have listened, and then a couple of friends. Yeah. Because a year ago, I, I had, I didn't have a following. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a list. I didn't have anything like that. I had an idea. Mm-hmm. So that was good. But part of what I'm saying in this is, if you're not married to somebody who has that either get divorced <laughs> and marry. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> use this resources you have around you. If, yes. if your messaging is honest and, um, and you believe in your mission, mm. don't be shy about it. Mm-hmm. Talk to the people, you know, and use the resources you have. You've got 2000 people on your email list by just, I'm, t- I'm talking like friends and colleagues, reach out to them and say, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's I what I'm up to. Mm-hmm. I would love your support. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that if you do what you're good at and you do it well, and and with you know uh, Russell says if you do it in a way that you're proud, mm. the right people will show up and they'll tune in. And sure, you got to start somewhere. So that's where we started. Unfortunately, again, ten thousand listeners our first.
1: Not month. too bad.
0: Month is not bad. That's <laughs> not a bad place to start.
1: Comes with a disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: a hundred percent. And um, yeah. but in the last year we've quintupled that. We have mm-hmm. fifty thousand listeners a month now. So. Mm-hmm. Or downloads a month. It's kind of hard actually to follow what happens in podcast land to be perfect. Yes, honest.
1: it is unfortunately. Um,
0: so fifty thousand downloads a month, but you know that was hard. I mean, my wife is busy already. I had to take the control of this thing and schedule and learn how to record and upload and hire somebody to do the production because I just didn't have the time to do it and all these things. But I, you know, again, I went down that rabbit hole. Uh, we use a company called Podfly, if anybody cares. Oh yeah, yeah. I like them. They do pretty good work. It's not dirt cheap, but it's also not super expensive. And and they help produce my episodes. So all I have to do is record them. And then. Are you guys
1: sponsored? Do you have sponsors for the show, too? We just
0: got our first sponsor a month ago. Nice.
1: Congrats. Awesome. Thank
0: you. So they. But by the way, just so everybody understands, they cover costs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It's not.
0: Yeah. I got one sponsor and they cover costs. Now, they cover costs right now where I'm at 50,000 downloads a month. Next year, we're going to multiply that by five again. And so we'll have 250,000 a month. And then my. My uh, sponsorship will get better. So mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I know people who are making you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month off of sponsorships on, on a podcast. So yeah. it's definitely possible. So that's one thing. But then what I did around my courses, is I said, you know what, I don't want to just create a course. I think this is when you and I connected. Mm-hmm. I want to create a platform for self-help. Like mm-hmm. Your platform is around ma- allowing academics to create an entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurial life outside of academia. Yeah. Mine is around allowing people who are good at helping others create content, and have a, uh, a platform to offer their help to people who need it. So it's, mm. it's going to become, Ignited itself will become a self-help platform. I love it. And so I wanted to create a system, a a, um, a replicable system. Again, right? It's things I learned in academia. A replicable system <laughs> that I can then employ for other people. And we have two other courses who we're, we're now in development on from nice. other people who are not me. Yeah, yeah. That I That I can then plug them into and say, here's how I did it course so in the first year we've enrolled about 77 76 people i think in my course and brought in almost worth about six figures yeah right at the very very low bottom of six figures so proof of concept as far as i'm concerned is oh is yeah there
2: mm-hmm.
0: it worked now it's about expanding and, and scaling and all things words that I didn't even know and, and concept that I didn't even understand scaling like, right a yeah. year or two ago. <laughs> For sure. But now, you know, again, we are good. Academics are good at understanding things. That's what we're mm. so good at. Mm. So if you have a passion, the tools are out there.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and again, in a year, I've discovered an entirely new world. And what's funny is a lot of people around us are now jumping into this. So a year ago when I was telling my wife about this, she was like, you're insane!
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Go away, please. Yeah, and then now I don't even know. Half of the business world around us wellness,
1: yeah, wellness. wellness I bet. Oh yeah, I bet.
0: Nutrition, beauty, all these people are getting into these online courses, mm-hmm. funnels, etc. And so
1: mm-hmm. it's, it's um, just beginning. It really, really is. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was yeah. talking to uh, to a publisher. I won't name them here because they didn't tell me that it's okay to, but. Uh, you know, not Penguin and not like at that level, but but a mid level publisher of books. And I was on the call with them. They were interested in maybe purchasing the rights to my book that I self published. And the woman goes, You know, we're actually totally transitioning our website. We're going to create a more funnel based structure for our website. And I go, Wow, even traditional businesses yeah. that have mm-hmm. been running for decades are looking for more streamlined. More individualized approaches to dealing with their customer, and I'll tell yeah. you, for those of you who are stuck in academia and feeling a little—I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but um,
1: underwhelmed. Well, underwhelmed. <laughs> I the with question, the like, yeah, 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 totally, exactly, like who you get to touch. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this is. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like this. I get texts, emails, Facebook mm-hmm. messages mm-hmm. on a daily. For sure, weekly, but sometimes on a daily basis, from people who are being affected, and it's beautiful.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's like the best thing. What's your guys? So we got the vision a little bit. Then what are you? So you're going and imagining this epic platform that people come to to get the help they need. I love it, and I'm seeing. I have some ideas of like models of I'm seeing trying to pop up, and what I love love is that an academic is doing this though, because people trust that you know your background and your degree comes with a level of credibility, how do you feel, you know, as somebody who's in this space for the last year and going to a lot of these conferences and our paths kind of crossing in that way, yeah. how do you feel as a PhD in, you know, neuroscience and the, when the eyes are like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, you know, yeah. what, do you, what are you seeing as, um, you know, some advantages to that in, in marketing and starting a business?
0: Totally. So look, I was afraid that it would be a, um, a hindrance actually sure. when I started. Either because people would say, "Well, why is he doing this?"
1: Ah, like he must not have been very good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's or, always
1: our biggest fear. I know, right? <laughs> right totally. yeah.
0: The fear is always that I'm not. He must good have enough. sucked
1: at research, and yeah. Totally.
0: So that's that was there on the front end, mm. and then on the on the flip side, in the community, I was afraid of not being accepted, which mm. is my own fear from when I was on sure. a sure. Um <laughs> about just generally not being accepted or being being less than somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, that was and, my fear
1: too, by the way. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so. Mm-hmm. That was, that was something that I realized was there and had been there for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Again, this is the thing that comes with the impact I want to make is real yep. and everything else just has to emanate from that at this point. I'm not willing to compromise anymore. So, you know, I really just try to hold my head high and make, recognize I committed to this. Mm-hmm. It is just my job to do it the absolute best that I can mm. and, and to continue improving. So. You know there are other people in this space around alcohol and drugs, for instance, who have no educational training. Sure. Um, and they're killing it, killing sure. it, right? They're doing way better than I am in terms of the entrepreneurship. <laughs> now, now some of them have been at this for four or five years, and I'm, uh-huh. I, I believe that i would be able to get to that place. Uh-huh. But what I've tried, what I've tried to develop for myself, is a way of looking at this where I'm not. There's enough room for everybody.
2: Mm, yes, there need, is. Yeah. I do
0: not need to be resentful of other people's success. Mm-hmm. again kind of following that academic model but something that i didn't really resonate with until i left academia i don't know why i don't know why this didn't land for me in this way um it probably has something to do with like wanting to be the best but never believing that i'm good enough or something like uh. that but i really now have started believing in okay well let me look at what models work let me understand them let me dissect them let me take the pieces that i i want to and, and employ them in want in mine and that doesn't all, only have to come from other people who are doing work in addiction or mental health there could be people in wellness or people in real estate who are mm. doing who are having businesses that are helping let's say other real estate brokers do a better job i can i can potentially learn something from how they're doing what they're mm. doing
1: like from a business model perspective that yeah 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 i mean and- let's take yeah go ahead sorry No, no, no. Or maybe not model, but like you can watch how they're showing up in the world, like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look,
0: in academia, my advisors help guide my work. Yeah. Right. Why can't I do the same thing from people who don't have PhDs? Right. That's the thing that has to come in is like, okay, uh, I'm going to throw a name that is going to feel really wrong to throw here, but it's not related at all to my work. And maybe people have preconceived notions of this person, but like Grant Cardone.
1: Oh, Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) He comes with a, he's another disclaimer on that, so, but yes, like, sure. But, I mean, ki- killing it in
0: business, Yeah. Uh, yep. started as a real estate agent and is, is really doing zero real estate now. He's doing this kind of self-development work for other people, mm-hmm. but what is he doing that is, making, that is making it grow, right? If I believe in my mission, I just said this to, uh, to a person who signed up for the course just a few days ago, like, I believe that what we're doing here can change their lives. So it's mm-hmm. my responsibility to help them access it. And Mm -hmm. um, by the way, that's how I found you, right? Gary Fee does not do anything related to what I want to do. No. But what he's been able to do is start out in a small business, right? His dad's wine Mm -hmm. shop
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and utilize technology and his voice and his messaging to create a multi-million dollar marketing company,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: essentially with a laptop and a YouTube channel to start. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And look where we are right now. There are a million examples of that. Mm -hmm. So this story that we're told in academia over and over and over, which is only the special people get Mm -hmm. to rise through the ranks
1: Mm -hmm. and create impact. The true meritocracy, right? Yeah. Well, well, not even that. No. Like the, the like anointed ones. Yeah. 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 First of all, it was never
0: true. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. It was never true. I mean, if you look at nature, or uh, or any of the you know from mine is more like the life science area, sure. like a neuroscience. But let's say if you look at Nature, the journal, it has its own biases and its own built-in yep. preferences, and there's nepotism within those mm-hmm. systems, just like in <laughs> everything else. <laughs>
1: That's yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that bullshit of objectivity that we were sold yep. is just not true. Bias and prejudice, not at and, all. Yeah, and and subjectivity is part of reality. Yep. As soon as you realize that, I hope you get to take away some of the control that other people have over your decision to say, okay, mm. if this is true, if there's going to be bias and decision and subjectivity and everything I'm going to do, mm-hmm. why not use my head, use my interests, use my knowledge and my abilities and the tools that I have to create the biggest impact I can create in whatever it is that I'm really interested in. And by the way, for those of you who are doing both are in academia and on entrepreneurship, sure that's fine. I have some of my mm-hmm. role models in academia, have also started companies mm-hmm. on the side based on their academic knowledge, based on, on the cloud they've developed there. My road is not the right road, but mm. there are hundreds, if not thousands of alternative approaches to the pure academic publish or perish and sort of rise up the ranks and get tenure. And then that's all you get to do for the rest of your life. Yeah. There, are, there are a million of other options. And for the people who love that, by the way, they're probably not listening to your podcast. But um, now.
1: Uh, I mean, I know people love it. Maybe they love it because they think they're winning. But that that oppressive kind of uh, it's kind of all rigged kind of thing. Like everyone knows they're they're playing the game and they're trying to figure it out. And they're all struggling. I mean, that's a common theme on this podcast is like people making the leap or deciding to turn is in some cases, it's just like, you know, I don't want to play this game anymore. And I realize that it's a game. And so there is there is definitely that there is a negative, I think, like social there's negative mental health. You know, we could talk about that mental health in academia. Um, It's a problem where, you know, how people are treated and what's what expectations look like and asking for help. I mean, it's Yeah. And I think. I, at least for me, I don't know if this, if I hear this in your story, but from my perspective, I chose it because it was stable. It was like a very stable thing. And so having a business felt very risky.
0: Oh my God, Um, of course.
1: Yeah. So how did you manage that? Even in the early stages of, of, of like jumping into the rehab center, like just this thing that felt like you weren't getting a salary, you weren't, you weren't getting tenure and you're not protected in any sort of way. Like, what were you... I was working through, it, Yeah, shit, right?
0: That's how I dealt with it. <laughs> For sure. I dealt with it by being really, really and scared. Overworking and overworking
1: yourself so maybe you didn't have to worry too much, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. I had, so even when I did that, when I had the rehab, I still taught at UCLA. So that was my health insurance and my- uh,
1: Oh, yeah, my, there you go.
0: My 50% income mm-hmm. from lecturer. And uh, I still saw clients, you know, a little bit here and there on the side. Yeah, I mean, I worked so you my kept fucking a foot ass in, off.
1: And that was my, the, yeah, I definitely. I worked
0: my ass off. You know, my wife was, um, I won't say complaining, but she was saying, I work from home now, right? I built a mm-hmm. little home office in our garage and I work from home. And my wife was saying something about, you know, how I work late into the evenings, And I go, sweetie, you, you remember when alternatives started and I would leave the house at six o'clock in the morning and I would come back at nine or 10 p.m. Um, I'm home a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Now. Like, I don't know that I'm going to be, available more than this for a while i work 40 hour weeks now again i think about my business all the time all the time and i'm <laughs> hard always to turn leaking, it off yeah and i never stop but like sitting at my desk working probably about like 40 hours a week and i have a team and i'm,
2: mm-hmm. I'm
0: inspired and you know it's um no it's an entirely different universe but there's no doubt that for about three to four years there i um Oof! I worked hard yeah. I, have a, I have a family so I wasn't I wasn't about to um, even introduce a slight probability that you know it you wouldn't have money hurt. for rent yeah. or mm-hmm, anything like mm-hmm. that so yeah I, I worked really freaking hard and then when alternatives closed and I ah, decided to, yeah. to do this next thing in those three months I saw more clients than I've ever seen in my life Whoa. for a short period of time uh, to save some money yeah you no know?
1: Yeah, and, that's uh, understandable.
0: I saved, I saved a little bit of money. Now, the beautiful thing was the vast majority of that money is still there because it worked. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the business is not making me a lot of money, but it's sustaining itself. So I don't have to put much money into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is year one. And my expectation is that we'll, we'll grow in year two and three and four. Again, if you learn something in a PhD program is how to be patient.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, Yep. And, and work towards a, a goal that's kind of far away, but doable. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you,
0: and you'll need the exact same
1: thing here. Yeah. I love that. I have to hear about how you met Lewis Howes. So, <laughs> people who are listening, because I remember you mentioning that before and I forgot. And I'm like, how, how do you know that guy? How's that working? So
0: I'll, I'll tell you guys one thing that I have. So when I say I know him, I've met him a couple of times and he's a, an incredibly close friend of some of my close friends. Nice. So there you go. like one degree of separation. But I'll tell you this. If this is really something you want to do, if what you want to do is really succeed in this, then let go of ego and embarrassment Mm, mm. and shame around will people like me or not. You have to commit to this mission. By the way, in the same exact way that you had to commit to it when you were trying to get your PhD, right? Yeah,
1: for sure. I Mm -hmm. I don't
0: know how many times I told my friends I can't go out or do anything because I have to go study or read or or be in my lab at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. in the morning Mm -hmm. the next day. The number of trips I didn't go on because I had to go feed the rats in the neuroscience lab. Like, you know how to give up. You're going to have to give something up. And in this situation, it's for me, it was about, about shame. And like, mm. how do I ask for what I need? So there's some other entrepreneurial people that I'm really into. Uh, Chris Harder is one of those guys who uh, has really been a great friend to me in this. And I saw him and his wife as an entrepreneurial couple. And there aren't a lot of others that I know. Mm. And I literally mm-hmm. just reached out to him. And I was like, hey, you guys look cool. Did yeah, you have to do do my meeting up. And he and we kind of went, it was a six-person, like three couple breakfast that we went to. Nice. And we sat around we talked, and I've been friends with him ever since. That was about I started my trip to about a year ago. Uh-huh. And um, and he is good friends with Lewis. And so uh, okay. he invited me to this dinner, and Lewis was there and a bunch of other people who are really just killing it in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And um, but even the thing with Alex, right? Like mm. I'm now part of a coaching program for ClickFunnels. And so that's how I got introduced to him. But there's no room to be shy here. No. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Reach out, make contact, ask, will you be rejected by 80% of people? Absolutely. But the 20% of people who respond could change your freaking life. So, Mm -hmm.
1: And that is something that I found. And maybe, you know, I don't know if this is true for you as well, but like going to these conferences, reaching out in this way, I don't know. I found like most people that are really successful um, and have built these businesses actually are really good at maintaining connection with their audience and like doing things when they can and that they want to help. Like, I feel like there's, there is this give back, I don't know if it's give back, but it's like relationships are really important in business. So because of that, they never know what opportunity is around the corner. And so I always feel like this really cool energy going to, yeah, like a two comma club thing or, or any sort of event that is so different than academia, where academia is all about like, let me prove that I know what I'm talking about. And in the other space, it's all about, you know, what are you working on? How can I help you? Totally opposite vibe.
0: So, you know, actually, I'll say I found in academia, people being pretty respectful of me wanting to know what they're doing and, and learn from them. There was competition around publishing and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But look, there are a couple of things. If it's okay with you, I will send you a link like a special offer link i have for dana derrick's book about uh the dream 100 i don't know if you've heard Mm. of it i haven't read it but
1: i i know about it
0: (laughs) yeah okay so i'll give you guys a link for that and uh i think he's actually offering some free books right now but um, but look in business relationships are key Mm -hmm. so i mean jay-z probably doesn't want to meet me in terms of maybe networking with me in the future but people that are one maybe maybe jay-z if you're listening right now please reach out um and but if there are people that are one two even three levels above you you're relevant to their network Mm -hmm. because the people you're reaching out to might be relevant to them and so Mm. i wouldn't discount that i wouldn't i wouldn't look don't talk yourself off of being important and being relevant mm. in what you're doing. Because if you don't believe in your own ability to make a difference in people's lives and create change, what the hell are you doing doing this?
1: Mm. So true. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's got to be where we leave it. I was, I was thinking if you had any sort of advice of someone about to take the leap or, or considering or even maybe working as a side hustle and kind of stuck and feeling in between. Any words of wisdom from someone who's side, done it?
0: <laughs> yes. Side hustle here is great. For me, it wasn't a side hustle because my old business closed. Yeah. This is a great way to do a side hustle mm. because you got to figure out who are you trying to reach, who are you trying to talk to, what are you, where are you trying to create impact, and what skills do you have that allow you to do that? And once you answer those questions,
1: the tools are there. Mm. And they're accessible. They're not as expensive as you think. And yeah, no, it's true. No, no. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I bought a book. And a package for like 28 Mm -hmm. (laughs) bucks. That's how my whole trip started. And I bought the expensive package.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That was the upsell, (laughs) guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That was the upsell, exactly. If you don't (laughs) know what an upsell is and you have a lot of work to do and it's all good. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, we're here to teach them.
0: (laughs) Totally, totally. So you can get started easily and without a huge time commitment. Mm -hmm. And it can absolutely take you just five hours a week when you get started. And if it starts making money and it seems viable, then you can make it take more time.
1: Yep. Yep. Love it. Cool. So you're definitely hanging out on Instagram, all of that. Is there anywhere else that people can find you and connect with you? So
0: at Dr. Adi Jaffe, D-R-A-D Jaffe are uh, pretty much my handles everywhere. Uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook are probably my three biggest places. And go to uh, ignited.com, subscribe to our uh, our podcast, join our newsletter. And uh, I would love to connect with you if you want to reach out personally.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, thanks so much. This was such a fun conversation. I was really looking forward to it. Glad I got to hear a little bit more about your path. Uh, And I can't wait to see where you guys are going next year. This is awesome. Front row. I'm in the front row. I I
0: can't wait to keep
1: connecting. Awesome. Well, take care and I will see you next time.
0: Thank you so much, Angie.
1: Thanks.